Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. Dynasty Pulse podcast. Uh, how about that intro? As the music fades, my voice comes over. I, I almost never get that to sound right. And if it doesn't sound good at home, uh, I'm sorry. But but it but it sounded good over here. So uh, I am Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick. Hail to the Redskins, Grader Wagner. What's up, buddy? Oh, not much, Josh. Is it just is it just me, or is the season flying by? I don't know how we're at week ten already. But how are you doing? It. I agree. It's flying by, and maybe. Maybe because I have a lot more responsibility at the website now. I just don't even, I don't feel like I feel like, yeah, yeah, it's flying by. I don't even know how to put it. Um, Today we're going to talk the truest midseason awards in the business. I thought we would give some, some some good fantasy awards here since we are unofficially at the midway point of the season. Probably officially now, depending on how many teams your game's how many games your team has played. Anyway, um, I just want to throw out a disclaimer that we will not be talking politics today, uh, no matter how, what side of the fence you fall on. Um, if you're listening to this show, you're probably listening for an escape from all of that jargon. So, And the plus, that's not our place. Um, we, are not, uh, we are not political uh, an- analysis. We are fantasy analysis. So let's get down and dirty to, with the fantasy talk, Nick, with the uh, – what were some of your thoughts on uh, week nine? Well, the Vikings were hoping that North Turner's resignation would provide a little bit of a spark after two straight losses, but that didn't really work out as they dropped their third straight. They only scored 16 points in the overtime loss to Detroit. Uh, Philadelphia is another team that started the year off hot but has really fallen off lately, uh, this week losing a big division game to the New York Giants, even with Eli throwing a couple interceptions. Uh, as far as the fantasy implications of that game, though, Darren Sproles definitely, again, proved that he is the uh, Eagles' main running back now. Uh, moving to the Jacksonville backfield, uh, Chris Ivory outcarried T.J. Yeldon 18-7, to although Yeldon did catch five passes, one of them for a touchdown, kind of salvaged his uh, fantasy day. Uh, although, of course, Jacksonville did, of course, uh, lose to Kansas City. And finally, uh, there's a possible changing of the guard there in the AFC West. It's now 7-2 and two Raiders beat the reigning champion Broncos. So, Josh, i got to ask, are your Raiders for real? Oh. <laughs> uh, I'll get to that in a second. Um, coincidentally, three of my five talking points here are about the Raiders. Um, obviously, time to sell high on Tavius Murray. I love the guy, but he's not going to have another three-touchdown performance. So if you can get something out of him, um, certainly more than Sua Cravens and, and a third, which an unnamed member of our staff offered for me, <laughs> offered me for him in a league, um, it is time to, to sell high in Latavius Murray. He had a great game against a great defense. You need to take advantage of that. Because, hey, guess what? He's a free agent at year's end. And Oakland is not going to pony up to pay him. He's going to have to either take a hometown discount or he's going to he's going to go to the highest bidder, and I just don't think he's going to be the same player. Um, I'm a little 
not shocked, but just a little, I think it's quite a little interesting that actually Jalen Richard is having more success than the drafted uh, DeAndre Washington. No slight on Washington. I think he's getting it. He makes a good place. But Jalen Richard, now they, now they got him returning kicks. I think it's actually Jalen Richard. Excuse me. Um, he must be French. But uh, he has it. And what I mean it is he's got that quality when he gets the ball in space, it's like Darren Sproles. It's like Mike Vick. You, you hold your breath because you know something great could happen. And whether that's, you know, a fantasy asset or not, um, it, it could cer- he could certainly turn into a Darren Sproles type of player like what he was when he was in New Orleans. I mean, he had like three or four straight years in New Orleans, maybe it was only two or three, where he was just unbelievable. He wasn't even their RB1, but he was just dropping fantasy points. And I think Jalen Richards could turn into that type of player. He is so quick. I just there was a couple different plays in that game where you just like this guy, and he's just just a rookie, undrafted rookie. Think of what he could be doing in a couple of years. It's just super exciting. Oakland is as much as I loved watching the game, and I'm super super excited about beating the Donkeys at home, uh, getting another home win. They're still not there. I, you know, some people will argue against that. They're still a long way from the Super Bowl. There's still a whole half of a season left. And there was many chances in the game where they had a chance to put Denver away, and they did not. Obviously, mistakes happen. And you know what? Denver's the defending Super Bowl champions. They're not going to just give a game away. So they're they're going to fight. They're going to fight till the bitter end. But I just didn't. I was had some issues with some of the play calling late, passing with under six minutes to go in the game when you could have taken the taken the ball, rushed it five or six times or even three times, not get a first down, but take almost two minutes off of the clock. I just, just under, didn't understand some of that, and that's going to have to all come together. So I, I, I'm encouraged by it, but they still have, they still have some things to shore up. So I'm not, not satisfied until we're lifting that Super Bowl trophy. Um, whether that happens this year or not, we, we will see. Um, how about here comes, back to the fantasy notes, here comes Jason Witten, Nick, two, last two weeks. Dak and Witten have been quite the connection, and it really necessarily hasn't. Witten had a quiet year. First touchdown in that was that game winner against Philly last week. Uh, he, he's a legit asset, I think, the rest of the season, and that, that could spell even more bad news for, for Tony Romo as, you know, Witten and Romo have been long, long lost or long, long friends. And with, with Witten now developing a rapport with Dak, that could be – that could be the end for Romo, as we know it, as the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Any thoughts? Uh, I agree with you. I think it's we've already seen the end of Tony Romo as the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, as, as well as uh, as Dak Prescott's played, uh, leading the team to a 7-1 and record. And, yeah, like you said, uh, with Witten, uh, eight catches, 134 yards, and a touchdown uh, last week. Yeah, he's, he's been on fire lately. So definitely could be, like you said, a good asset uh, towards the end of the fantasy season. And I, and I don't want to put you on the spot because he's a cowboy, but as much as Redskins fan you are, you, are, you have to – anybody who, who loves the game, you have to respect Jason Witten for what he's done. I think the guy's missed like one game in his career. He just goes out and does his job, doesn't ask for, doesn't ask for anything, but just does his job. It's just, just, just a quality example of a player that he is. Um, also, uh, I think it, it should be pointed out that maybe the uh, – in. Some of my some of the guys over at the uh, Fake Pigskin podcast are talking about this too, but I, it should be pointed out that uh, Jay, you know the rise of Jay Ajay is maybe 
meant bad things for the rest of these uh, rest of the players on this team. It's been kind of a the I think the fallout from that is is these receivers like Jarvis Landry, uh, namely, are not going to be getting getting the ball as much. Now Landry still had a couple of good games during the 200 yard games, uh, 15, 15, 16 PPR points. Uh, only only six the last week, and that could be that could be a side of things to come, if, especially if they're playing playing close games or keeping their they're keeping their bullets close to the chest. So that that should certainly be noted. If you if you want somebody asking for Miami receivers or trying to buy, it, it might be time to sell. What do you think there, Nick? Oh yeah, I agree with you. And you look at the quarterback Tannehill, uh, seventeen completions on twenty eight attempts, only one hundred forty nine yards last week. Uh, they got the win, so that's all that counts, obviously, for the football team. But it definitely is going to hurt their pass catchers. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Uh, what about some waiver fodder, Nick? What do you got for me? Well, you know, by now you should know if your team is going to be contending or not. So if you are, I think now is probably a good time to grab some handcuffs that might still be available. Uh, for instance, if Frank Gore is your starter, couldn't hurt to add Robert Turbin if you have the room. Uh, some other guys, uh, Mike James might be Tampa Bay's main running back for the time being, although I did see that uh, Doug Martin is practicing again. I'm not sure if he'll play this week, but he is back at practice. Uh, Ronnie Hillman in Minnesota might be a good add, too. Looks like he was a uh, starting to take the, take control of that backfield. Uh, Adam Humphreys is the new wide receiver, too, in Tampa Bay. He should, he'd be a good guy to grab if he happened to slip through the cracks in your league. And finally, uh, Capri Bibbs had a masterful 69-yard touchdown reception for Denver. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the year he was Denver's lead back. Really? That's bad news for us Devontae Booker owners. You think – you think he's got the juice? I I don't know if Devontae was fully healthy on on Sunday night. I'll leave it at that. But what you think he can? You really think he can beat him out, huh? Uh, that combined with uh, the fact that Booker's had a little bit of fumbling issues uh, so far this year. So if that were to continue, I uh, wouldn't surprise me if they had a uh, little patience for that. Spoken like a Capri Bibbs owner yourself. I I, saw, I know that you grabbed him in a handful of weeks. So, but uh, well, uh, yeah, I I think if anything, we could certainly see a, a running back by committee develop situation develop there, especially as this this offense kind of searches for answers. Um, yeah, very good point there. Uh, great dynasty dilemma today is we pit uh, Will Fuller versus Tavon Austin. Um, we're going to do some sit or start like we normally do, obviously some dynasty trade analysis, and then we'll get to those uh, mid-season awards. And, of course, Mr. Chuck Podice, he's going to stop by uh, DFW's own odd man to give us some ATS picks straight out of Las Vegas. So uh, that, that should be fun. Let's, uh, let's get to the dilemma. I had the chance to go – I had the chance to choose, so I will go first. And I chose, believe it or not, Kayvon Austin. So let's play the music. We've learned by the dust of them all, Barter Town's learned. Now when men get to fighting, it happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Two men enter, one man leaves. Ah, good clip. Um, so, like I said, I chose Tavon Austin as we look at Tavon Austin versus Will Fuller. Now, I've said all summer long as I drafted copies of Will Fuller that I'm I'm just going to trade high trade high at the end of September on him because he's scoring all these touchdowns. Um, unfortunately, I was not able to pull the trigger in that aspect, uh, and kind of wish I would have as he's just dinged up and not even 
seeing the field at this moment in time. Uh, but I, I don't, it's not like either one of these players are in an ideal quarterback situation, but Austin's usage in the intermediate game is definitely his forte. And ultimately I feel like Fuller could be viewed as Tavon Austin was last season uh, as they both have uh, limitations. Now I'm saying that because I think, you know, Will Fuller certainly was getting a lot of good press in September. The injuries have happened. I don't know. If, if his ceiling is higher than what a Tavon Austin is doing right now, uh, obviously as an Austin owner, super frustrated that he got 15 targets one week and followed up with one target and one carry the next. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully they'll uh, get Jeff Fisher out of town. So, uh, but yeah, just, uh, I don't see Fuller doing much of better than he's already, that we've already shown from him so far. Uh, like I said, they both have limitations. At just five foot nine, hundred and seventy-four pounds, Kayvon Wesley Austin, aka the Pocket Rockets, has had an unbelie- has an unbelievable pressure on him to perform since the Rams picked him, traded four picks to move up and get him. Excuse me. Ironically, for Nick's sake, the Rams had a surplus of picks thanks to the RG three deal. And if you don't think it was worth it, just listen to what Buffalo did with those four picks. They grabbed E.J. Manuel, 16 overall, 46 overall, Kiko Alonso, probably the best player they get nabbed with that. Uh, but, of course, he's not even there anymore. Uh, 78 overall, Marquise Goodwin. And 222nd overall, Chris Craig. Now, that was not a stellar class for wide receivers, despite, of course, DeAndre Hopkins who went 19 picks after Austin. Coincidentally, Hopkins is Fuller's current teammate, and the main reason why I believe Fuller will be limited. No way Fuller gets 10-plus targets per game on any type of consistent basis while Hopkins is there. The great thing about Austin is at least there is hope that hope with Jeff Goff on the horizon, and maybe someday Jeff Fisher will get tired, get fired, excuse me, I think I said Jeff Goff, Jared Goff, and maybe someday Jeff Fisher will get fired. That could open up things schematically within this offense. Fuller, on the other hand, has a shackle named Brock Osweiler. And while he has Hopkins on the other side, I just don't feel like he is the guy that can just be depended on for, you know, like I said, those 10 targets per game. He's all speed and a deep threat. That's that's basically what he is. Austin can be used in a multitude of ways, with screens and jet sweeps being his ultra-dangerous keys. And maybe, like I said, if his offense is given a little little facelift, maybe we can see Austin making plays downfield like Fuller, too. What do you have for us and Will Fuller there, Dick? Well, I probably shouldn't open up this segment by mentioning that your guy Tavon Austin is having a career year receiving, but it's a fact he is. He's on pace for a whole 632 yards receiving, and his prior high was 473 yards. So I guess breakout here. Woo-hoo. Uh, now, why the Rams gave him a six-year, $56 million contract is absolutely beyond me, but they did. So I guess at least he's got job security for a couple years. But this guy, to me, offers very little upside. He's only had one game with over 100 yards from scrimmage this year. He's had three games under 20 yards and only two touchdowns. 
Now, uh, Will Fuller may have hit a rookie wall after opening up the season strong, but his future should be bright. He's got an elite wide receiver opposite him, taking away attention uh, from the defenses. But most importantly, unlike Austin, Fuller has the size to be a weak contributor. He's six foot compared to Austin's 5'8 or 5'9. Now, Austin's diminutive size will likely force him to be a gimmicky role player his whole career. Uh, yes, some wide receivers his size do have success. Jamison Crowder is one example. But Austin's now in his fourth season, and we've seen virtually no progression from him. So, we, you know, he is what he is at this point. Uh, so Fuller is younger, bigger, and on pace to have more yards receiving as a rookie than Austin has had in any of his seasons. Uh, yes, he does have a court, bad quarterback situation, but it's not like the Rams are much better. Their number one overall pick, Jared Goff, can't even get on the field, uh, even with the team struggling. To me, this dilemma isn't even close. Uh, I could see both sides of that, and obviously if you're faced with this in the face with this decision in a startup, I'm not going to blame you for going for going fuller. But like Nick said, he is having a career, and I believe he is five nine with cleats on. Uh, so uh, <laughs> uh, it, maybe you know maybe things can develop. You know, like I said, I don't. I mean, what I don't know what the what the Rams record has to be for them to fire uh, Jeff Fisher, but. Uh, <laughs> I mean, come on. If you're a betting man, Nick, and you're going to bet if Jeff Fisher will be their coach next year, you're probably going to lean on the side. No, right? <laughs> so maybe maybe that'll open things up. And the one thing I like about Austin and with with the new uh, new trend like there is in the Scott Fishbowl, and I'm in another league that has it with the .25 per carry, Austin had 52 receptions and 52 carries last season. So he's getting, you know, 52 divided by four. He's getting a couple extra points here and there because they do give him the ball, hand off the ball there in, in those type of leagues. So maybe if you're in that type of format next year, he's certainly a, certainly a sneaky play. As like Nick said, he does, he does have job security. Um, obviously what I had named this dilemma, Austin was coming off a game where he had 15 targets, like I said, uh, and and uh, last week, yeah, last week he had two targets and one carry, and that was one of his games, I'm sure, under 20 yards. So, who knows what the what the Rams and Jeff Fisher are doing? I just hope they get Jared Goff in there and uh, a new coach. It seems so weird that you would draft a quarterback first overall and not play him for one, but possibly go into the next year with a with a new coach. I mean, I I don't. That's necessarily the greatest idea. Obviously, I think they need to get a new coach there to help things out. But I just, I don't get the NFL sometimes. So uh, I'm just talking myself in a corner. So I will, I will leave it at that. Any other, any other thoughts there, Nick? Just that there were rumors that uh, before the season that Jeff Fisher and the Rams had agreed uh, to a behind the behind closed doors type of contract extension. So, you know, obviously those are just rumors. We have no idea if that's true or not. But, you know, if, if Fisher were just to stick around, I think that would uh, further hinder uh, Austin's fantasy. Value. <laughs> uh, fair enough. I do remember those rumors now, too. Um, I forgot my two waiver fodder names. Uh, Taylor Gabriel, kind of the Tavon Austin in Atlanta right now, if you will, as he scored a rushing touchdown. He's essentially – their third wide receiver right now. He did uh, miss a couple weeks with the concussion, but obviously he seems to be uh, seems to be past that. Another little small five eight guy, formerly of the Cleveland Browns, now with the Atlanta Falcons. He's currently making my Justin Hardy shares pretty pissed off. But 
Uh, and then I wanted to give a note out there to Bryce Treggs, the guy the Eagles signed off of the street to replace uh, Josh Huff, who has since been released. Um, had a couple big catches there, and, and maybe has some things to come. He certainly has a has has waited uh, for a chance that he's getting now to be the fourth receiver in Philadelphia. So deeper leagues, he's certainly up. Worth a look there. Uh, let's get some sitter start here, Nick. Uh, as I so often do, I like to look at the Thursday night quarterbacks. Uh, what do you think about Cody Kessler, officially named the starter again at Baltimore, or Joe Flacco versus Cleveland? Well, I know Kessler's tempting because of gar- garbage time and all that, but I think this is a situation where you don't want to get cute. Joe Flacco's the better quarterback, and he's got better chances for touchdowns, especially thrown to a guy like Mike Wallace, who had the 95 yard last week. <sighs> yeah, yeah, like you said, with the garbage time thing, who knows what, how this thing could end up. You know, Flacco could have a monster first half, and Kessler could come out and, you know, just squeak by and score an extra extra two points there. Um I I think I would actually just choose Kessler maybe because of that. I don't think Baltimore's just defensively quite there. And uh they you know they had a quite emotional win coming off of uh beating Pittsburgh last week in in a big way. So and I also think Baltimore is gonna try to really establish their running game and that's gonna that's gonna hurt Flacco in this one. And uh uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. Joe Hayden's going to shut down Steve Smith and Mike Wallace, I'm pretty sure. So uh, what do you think about Carson Wentz versus Atlanta coming off a two-interception performance, Carson Wentz, or Kirk Cousins versus the Minnesota Vikings? Well, Kirk Cousins has been hotter as of late, but this Minnesota defense is legit. Uh, the Lions, Matt Stafford, uh, was under 220 yards, even though the Lions won last week. Whereas Atlanta's given up 259 points on the year. Only San Francisco and Cleveland's defense are worse as far as points allowed. So I, I, I'm going to have to go with uh, Carson Wentz to have a rebound game this week. Well, and I think that uh, that Atlanta number is probably a little bit uh, jaded because of uh, – because of garbage time, I mean, obviously they're not the best defense in the league either. Um, you know, this is kind of a case where Wentz coming off of a bad game against the eh, defense, uh, or or Cousins versus uh, versus a very solid defense, and I and I put these two against each other because I feel like it's well, neither one of these guys are probably going to lead lead uh, the week in scoring for quarterbacks. But uh, that's going to be a good, that's going to be a good matchup, and I don't necessarily think as good as the Minnesota defense is, I want to see how they stop uh, Jamison Crowder, who's who's just having a phenomenal phenomenal year. I don't think they match up good against those smaller type wide receivers and they and they don't have a lot of experience with Crowder. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna think Crowder and uh maybe Jordan Reed makes make some plays in this game as Ebron made a lot of plays last week and I and I'm sure the Redskins coming off a bye, I took notice of that. So I, I'll think I'll, I'll take I'll take my chances with Cousins here, just because you're not sure what you're going to get out of that rookie. Um, Trevor Simeon at New Orleans or Brock Osweiler at Jacksonville. Well, did the Saints just give up 398 yards to Colin Kaepernick? Uh, yes, they did. So I've got to go with Simeon all the way here, and I would I would take Brock Osweiler if it was him against the Saints. That's that's just how good this matchup is. 
All right. Well, call me stupid, but one of the orphan teams that I have, somebody dropped Torrey Smith last week, and I got all excited because I, I won the claim for him. And then if you were to tell me that Colin Kaepernick threw for 398 yards, you would think, oh, his top receiver, his wide receiver one, Torrey Smith, probably had a pretty decent game. No. He had two catches for 18 yards. <laughs> uh, so that's my that's my side note there. But, uh, gosh, Houston recognizes that this is a division game, and I feel like they should go in there and take care of business. And I and so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Oslo, and I'm I'm not always trying to go awful on you, but New Orleans found something I think with the way they can run the ball, and Oakland was able to run the ball against Denver last week. Obviously, Denver was missing some key pieces on defense, uh, but if they're not fully healthy, I think New Orleans is gonna have, you know, 30-plus carries out of their running backs like they did last week. I think they had almost 40 with Ingram and Hightower combined. So that's going to that's gonna eat up the clock and, and uh, not allow the other the other team's offense to beat their defense. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the, with the, uh, with Oslier in this game just because I don't know how much chances Simeon's going to get. Um, what do you think about playing Russell Wilson this week? Um, obviously had his best game in a month on Monday night and what a weird, crazy game that was, but, uh, he's going into a tough spot. Yeah, a very tough spot. Uh, New England's only given up 132 points. That makes him the number one scoring defense in the AFC. So I'm going to sit Russell Wilson, if at all possible, but it, it of course depends on who your backup is. If you have somebody like Mariota going against Green Bay, Jameis Winston going against Chicago, then go ahead and sit him, but don't, don't be crazy and bench him for, say, Colin Kaepernick, thinking that Kaepernick's going to throw for another, another 400 yards against Arizona, because that's just not going to happen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I benched Wilson last week. That's why he had his good game, I'm sure of it. After not throwing a touchdown for three weeks, I played uh, Nick Foles over him. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I just don't. I don't see him do, doing a whole lot there. And you know they're going to be closing or collapsing the edge there. So uh, New England's, yeah. In, interesting side note in this game, and maybe we could talk more about this with Chuck Nick, but I. I, again, went ahead before the Sunday games what I thought the lines would be for this week, and already New England was an eight-point favorite in this game for next week before the Sunday games had even been played. So they're uh, as much as love as New England gets at home, or excuse me, Seattle gets at home, I think New England is kind of getting that now there too. So we'll see what Chuck has to say when we get there. But, uh, yeah, if you have a, if you have a better option, you know, Seems like Alex Smith is back, so I won't be starting Foles again. But uh, so I really don't have a better option where I own Wilson. So, but uh, who who are some other guys, kind of mid mid tier guys, Nick, that you would potentially start over Wilson? Oh, let's see. Got to look at the. Um... Uh, Simeon is a guy going up against New Orleans that we talked about a little bit earlier. I think he's probably somebody I would play over Wilson this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. If, uh, Carson Wentz, I'd be kind of on the fence. It's pretty much a coin flip. I think I'd probably lean Wilson, especially just uh, how, how well Wilson did play last week, like you mentioned, his best game in a month. Um, uh, what about Cousins? Yeah, no, because of the matchup. Just because I do believe in that Minnesota defense, I, I think they're for real. So that that the matchup there would scare me a little bit. Uh, another guy I would maybe sit in favor. Uh, I would play Wilson over is Ben Roethlisberger. Actually, though, well, uh, going up against Dallas, and he, he just didn't look like he was healthy. And the same Ben we're used to seeing. So he's a guy I would definitely try to sit and 
find anybody to start over at this point. Yeah, pretty surprised by his performance. I should have. Uh, uh, the league I own, Big Ben, I played been playing Tyrod since he's been out. I wish I would have kept Tyrod in there because he certainly had a nice game on Monday night. Um, another league where I own uh, Tyrod as my backup, uh, Brady was on the bias. So I had to play Tyrod, and I needed 35 points from Tyrod going into Monday night, and I almost got it. That last drive, if he would have ran for a touchdown, it would have been like – the Monday night miracle of the century for me, but, uh, <laughs> excuse me, ultimately it, it didn't happen, but, uh, yeah, that's a good point there with, the <laughs> excuse me, Big Ben. What, uh, what do you think about, uh, Jay Ajay at San Diego or Jordan Howard at Tampa Bay? It looks like a couple juicy matchups there. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, at this point, I cannot sit J.H.I. He's had over uh, three straight games over 100 yards. Two of those games were over 200 yards. But, I mean, come on. If you have both of these guys, you're at least putting Jordan Howard in your flex as a player, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you got, maybe you got David Johnson and uh, a couple a couple other awesome players. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, sorry. Where were we? Uh, yeah, I think um, – yeah, obviously you want to play both of these guys if you any way you possibly can. Um, San Diego has actually done pretty good against the run. You got you know they got Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa on the side, and Brandon Meebane's been playing really good up the middle there. So uh, I I would probably lean Howard, especially with the with the uh, fresher legs and whatnot. So um, and I just I don't see Miami winning that game. So I think they're going to be t- trying to have to throw the ball. So. Uh, what do you think about uh, those Cincinnati backs, Jeremy Hill or Gio Bernard at the Giants on Monday night? Well, Giovanni's probably a safer play, but I, I think Jeremy Hill, you know, the Bengals are coming off a of bye week, so he should be a little fresh. And even before the bye week, he was healthy enough to see 20 carries in Cincinnati's last game. So I think he should resume the goal line work. And I, I think I would take a flyer on Jeremy Hill, but I, I do understand that Giovanni Bernard has a, has a higher floor because of his PPR value. Yeah, and I think they could exploit some matchups there with Gio in this game. So, yeah, I le- definitely would lean uh, – Lean Geo here, um, but yeah, there's always that touchdown upside, of course, with uh, Jeremy Hill. Um, before I forget, Nick, what do you think about playing? Conversely, you know, we've talked about the Minnesota defense. What do you think about playing the Washington defense this week with that dinged-up offensive line and for the Vikings? Sound like a decent defensive team play? Yeah, decent. Not probably not a top five defense, but you know, a top twelve defense. So you know, definitely a startable defense. I would think this week, especially like you mentioned with Minnesota's offensive line struggles. Um, you know, Sam Bradford <laughs> has been uh, really put to the test there, uh, trying to trying to make things happen with with uh, defenders in his face all game long lately. And over under Kerrigan sacks. What do you think? One and a half. You going to take the over on that? No, I think I'd probably go under, thinking he'd get one, and then you know the attention, the the offense fades to the top pass rusher, probably free up some other guys to get a couple sacks. Okay, uh, I think he's going to have like three or four. <laughs> he is such a beast, that I know he's not necessarily a huge IDP player, but man, when you when he's released to get that quarterback, he is just 
just an animal. I love watching that guy do work. Um, what do you think about Isaiah Crowell at Baltimore Thursday night? Well, Crowell has yet to see 20 touches in a game, not just carries, but touches uh, in a game this year. So, you know, uh, he's only had the two 100-yard rushing games. I think this is just a too risky of a play against a Baltimore defense that pretty much completely shut down Le'Veon Bell last week. Uh, yeah, yeah, I always feel like what Crowell looks like a sit. Then he has like a, you know, a huge 80, 100-yard game and a touchdown. But, uh yeah, probably better suited to not play him this week if you have uh, better options, like J.H.I. and Jordan Howard, of course. Um, this might be my favorite one of the season so far, and and I just kind of I love all the things that are going into it. But what do you think about Sterling Shepard at versus Cincinnati, or Chris Hogan versus the Seattle Seahawks? I love the just clash of you know, veteran wide receiver, gritty guy trying to try to do his thing and the hot shot rookie Sterling Shepard. Yeah, this is a very good one. Uh, I, I think the Seattle has a tough defense, but Tom Brady is pretty much a master of taking what the defense gives him. So, you know, that could lead to a lot of underneath looks, which could mean that Hogan has a great PPR day. Maybe I'm overthinking it. I don't know, but I just, I have a feeling Hogan's going to, like I said, have a good PPR day in standard leagues, though I probably would lean towards Sterling Shepard as being more likely to rack up big yards and maybe a big play for a touchdown. Okay. Um, yeah, I just obviously the thing to stop there with New England is is Gronk and and Bennett and then Edelman. I think Hogan actually could have a have a decent game there. So I think I would. I think I would go with Hogan. I don't know who Cincinnati's got to match up necessarily with Shepard, maybe Josh Shaw, but I, I think I would definitely go Hogan there. Um, who will be the top wide receiver in the Green Bay at Tennessee game? Well, Jordy Nelson's had back-to-back games with 90 yards or more in a touchdown. Uh, you know, if he was hurt, this would definitely be a highly debatable question. But when, when he's healthy like he is right now, I think Jordy Nelson is definitely the cream of the crop. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That seems too easy. I'm going to say Tajay Sharp has, has his big breakout game. Obviously, we've seen Kendall Wright and Richard. Richard, Richard Matthews have big games the last couple of weeks. Uh, maybe in Sharp actually had a definitely encouraging game last week, so I feel like he's maybe finding his niche in this offense. Um, excited to talk about this game a little bit later. Um, by far from the who cares game, at least at least in my mind. Maybe some people might not care about this game, but uh, uh, Vance McDonald at Arizona, who. I'll be damned if every time he doesn't, every time I bench that guy, he scores a touchdown. Or, or the red hot Jason Witten at Pittsburgh. What do you think? I think McDonald's just too much of a boomer bust play. He's either got a big touchdown or nothing. Uh, he's has, has zero games this year with over three receptions, whereas uh, Witten, eight catches, 134 yards, and a touchdown uh, last week. It's almost making me contemplate uh, playing him over Gronkowski this week. Probably don't have the guts to actually do that, but the fact that it even crossed my mind speaks volumes. Yep, can't stop Jason Witten. Uh, Let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. Um, John's couple uh, 
Texan linebackers here, John Simon or Jatavian Clowney at Jacksonville? What do you think? Well, Clowney's only got one game this year over four tackles and only has two sacks. They do say he's been playing very well this year, but on the stat sheet, uh, John Simon is the one that's showing up. Uh, 43 tackles, two and a half sacks. In a sack-heavy league, Clowney maybe has a better chance to get to the quarterback, but a majority of the IDP scoring, I would go with John Simon. Yeah, I put these two on here because they're actually pretty neck and neck, depending on your league scoring. They're actually relatively close. Um, we're still waiting for that big wow breakout game from Clowney. Um, I think this could be that game, but Simon is definitely the uh, the smarter play. Um, uh, another one where you probably don't want to bench either of these guys, uh, but we'll see. We'll see what Nick has to say. Will Compton versus Minnesota. Or Derek Johnson at Carolina? Well, this is very close. I think I'll lean with uh, Compton. He's only had one game under six tackles this season, uh, whereas Johnson has three games with five or fewer tackles. So, you know, I, I like that high floor. So I'll go with Will Compton. Uh, yeah, Compton's a beast. I just don't think Minnesota really has no running game <laughs> right now. And I think he's he's really dependent on uh, run stopping. And uh, I don't know if he's going to be the one trying to co- cover Kyle Rudolph out there. I think they'll leave that up to somebody else. So I, I think I think I would go Johnson in this one. We're disagreeing a lot today, Nick. Not not on purpose, but and I know, like you said, he's had he's had a few worse or worse games than Compton himself. But and. How old is that, Derek Johnson? He's, he's he's like 45. He just goes to town, man, every single week. Um, yeah, Rameek Wilson having the fresh legs in there and inside, I think, helps Johnson out actually a little bit because he can, he can be that guy to go out there and coverage. So I think I'll go with Derek Johnson. Uh, rookie out of Nebraska, Malik Collins, had himself a couple sacks last week, Nick. So now he's playing at Pittsburgh against the Big Ben, who is not very necessarily mobile. Or uh, another guy who's having a breakout year at defensive end, second-year player, excuse me, defensive tackle, Danny Shelton at Baltimore. Well, Collins is coming off that two-sack game, but prior to that, he hadn't really done much. Uh, he's just got way too many one-tackle games this year on the stat sheet for me to feel comfortable starting him. Uh, where, on the other hand, Danny Shelton has at least three tackles every week. That's a really nice score in defensive tackle required leagues. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think I think I agree with you there. He's just a safer play. Nobody saw that week coming from Collins, but you know, if they if they choose to, you know, help him out and let him let him do that more, he could be developed into a nice uh, a defensive tackle play. He's certainly a name to take notice of in defensive tackle required leagues, like Nick said there. Uh, T.J. McDonald at the Jets or Calvin Fryer versus the Rams. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with T.J. McDonald simply because I think the Jets, especially playing at home, are more capable of stringing together a couple long drives, uh, which would lead to more tackle opportunities for McDonald in what should be quite the punt fest this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point there. You know, I think conversely, what what hurt the Raiders' defense as a whole is all those four – Three and outs to start the week, or just yeah, start the game last week, Sunday night. You know, I think Carl Joseph had like one and a half points in one of the leagues that I have him in. So he, I think he had a pass defense. He didn't even get a tackle, partly because they were 
freaking having him backpedal at the start of plays in the sec- almost the entire second half, which when you, you don't draft Carl Joseph to, to be a prevent deep safety, you draft him because he's an in-the-box cruncher. But anyway, I got off my soapbox now. Um, yeah, if like Nick said, if they have the ability to have some extended drives, that's only going to help their defensive IDP players. Good point there, Nick. So I'd go with McDonald too. Um, and I promise I'll stop putting Kelvin Pryor in here. I'm just <laughs> kind of sick of owning the guy. Maybe I just need to cut ties, but I just don't feel like there's any other upside out there right now for the safety thing. So if you hear anything, Nick, or still see if anybody you don't want, let me know. Um, Conversely, Nick, I would also like to instead extend an invitation to uh, you for some trading in DFW 16. Obviously, you are going places this year again, and I am not. So we we could talk if there's anything that interests you. Um, Dynasty trade analysis time. Uh, Matt Jones and a 2017 fourth for C.J. Anderson and two 2017 thirds. What do you think? Uh, I think whoever unloaded Matt Jones did it so at exactly the right time, seeing as probably it's going to be a Kelly's job moving forward, it appears, in uh, Washington. So, yeah, being able to pick up two-thirds and C.J. Anderson, who, of course, not going to help you this year, but next year you would think he would probably get his job back as the lead back there in Denver. So, yeah, picking up the two-thirds and C.J. Anderson, definitely the winning side in this one. Yeah, obviously he's pretty much done for the uh, – well, he is done with being on IR. He's done for the fantasy year this year. Um, so I uh, – but I think you're getting better value even with those thirds, just with, just with those thirds, really. I would probably – Matt Jones is certainly not uh, trending in the, in the right direction right now. Um, speaking of that Washington backfield, Nick, is there going to be any room for Keith Marshall next year? He just burning up um, a roster got, spot in my IR. <laughs> yeah, he, he's got an upfield battle uh, to win a win, to win a job. That's for sure. But you know, you never know because we haven't really seen him play. So he he definitely has a lot more speed than the than the rest of the Washington backs have. Yeah, and and August one, who was Rob Kelly? So I mean, <laughs> maybe maybe Keith Marshall can be that guy next year. Um. Uh, just a couple questions here within our dynasty trade analysis here, Nick. What would you trade for Ezekiel Elliott? Personally, I would not be willing to give up enough that uh, that Ezekiel owner would t- uh, take for Ezekiel Elliott. Just uh, there's too many things that scare me a little bit. On the field, he's fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but. You know, off the field, he had the rumors of him uh, being a party guy in college and, you know, the the alleged uh, domestic assault rumors, which, of course, just alleged at this point and no charges being filed. But, you know, it's one of those where there's smoke, there could be fire. So I would be a little bit scared away. Uh, I I do want to ask you, though, as far as uh, his value, let's say you own Ezekiel Elliott and I'm looking to trade you uh, DeMarco Murray and a first-round pick. How much else am I going to have to throw into that package for you to want to trade away Ezekiel Elliott? Uh, I would say at least another first-round pick. Uh, I I don't even know if I would do that. I just, you know, obviously running back is such a, a, such a, an 
odd, odd position, and maybe we the better question here is we need to ask ourselves, you know, what we would expect in return. Maybe that's the same kind of question, but uh, I don't. I'm not trading my share of him, and and maybe you know, maybe if you're feeling like you said with the domestic situation, maybe if you got cold feet, maybe maybe you can consider shopping him. But I still think you need to get maximum value in. Like I said, running running backs are so finicky, but uh, I think maybe more than any any other running back, you know, right now he does have that chance to be like the next Frank Gore, a guy that's going to be around for ten years. I I, I really believe he's going to be that type of player. He's he's I think he he doesn't look like a rookie out there. He just puts his head down and gets the job done. And obviously, there's some other other things going on there too. But uh, and I, obviously, everybody has a price and it's going to be dependent on who, who has them and what their team situation is. You know, if your, if your team is down and down in the dumps again, and you took Ezekiel Elliott 1.01 and you're not obviously still not a playoff team, you know, a couple of games under 500, you know, if you can trade him in, into a couple more, you know, for a couple more picks, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame you there, but you know, you're losing when you, when you trade players for picks, you're losing veteran talent and replacing it with question mark. You know, you don't, you don't know what you're going to get uh, there. You know, you've got to really consider about what you're going to get with those type of picks. So that's, I think that's a mistake that I've made in the past. And, and I try not to do that again, because especially with leagues that are so, you know, so tight and so competitive, when you trade away veteran talent for picks, you need to, one draft smart and you need to you also need to get a little bit lucky because you're not just going to get veteran talent back so uh i don't know if that's answering (laughs) what would you trade for ezekiel elliott if i'm trying to acquire him it's it's obviously going to be i think in a win now mode as he looks to be chugging right now so I'd probably be willing to give up a first but you know if it's a win now your first round picks probably not you know, you know it's probably ten, ten to twelve. So it's probably not. If the owner's smart, they're probably not going to accept that. So it's, it's a tricky thing. If you see any, uh, I put this question out on Twitter actually, and somebody said, um, I'd ex- they would accept nothing less than like David Johnson and Odell Beckham. <laughs> Obviously, I would probably be happy with that package. I don't know if anybody out there is crazy enough to do that. Any other thoughts on the Ezekiel Elliott? trade front there, Nick? Oh, just that if somebody offers you David Johnson and Odell Beckham for Ezekiel Elliott, you do that in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, yeah. Nobody's probably going to probably gonna offer that. So, uh, Ooh, Nick made a trade. Kyle Rudolph for Dwayne Allen. Care, care to elaborate on this? Uh, yeah, you know, Kyle Rudolph's a guy who's having a career year this year, but at his age, that seems like more of an outlier than a, than something that's going to continue in the future. So uh, he's a guy who was on my roster bubble heading into the season, and this is a league where I have absolutely zero chance of contending this year. I think I've got, like, two wins maybe. So, <laughs> it's, you know, definitely not in a win-now mode. So I think long-term, Dwayne Allen just being a part of that Colts offense has has a better chance to produce moving forward in seasons, in seasons to come. So... Uh, definitely not a win-now trade. It was more of a looking towards the future and hoping that I can get some value there, whereas I don't think Kyle Rudolph moving forward is going to be uh, – he's going to really hold on to 
he's not going to have the same kind of production moving forward as he's having this year. Yeah, and Rudolph is a free agent, so he's going to be potentially looking for a new team. And I don't know if there's a whole lot of people lining up to pay him, you know, anything because he's going to demand, you know, a, a veteran contract. And he's not, I don't think he's going to be getting a big one. And he's potentially not going to a team to be, you know, their stud, you know, their, their, their second or third option in offense. I just don't know, know if that's coming. Dwayne Allen's battled a few injuries here and there. Uh, they are potentially losing Jack Doyle, though, this offseason. If he's having a career year, I think it's going to be hard for them to lock him up. Uh, the only other tight end on that roster right now is Eric Swoop, who is the converted basketball player who actually has never played football until this, until week one of this year. He's actually doing doing an okay job, but he's still a, a far ways away from being a, a guy that you could trust in line, tight end, that type of thing. So I think the snap share is definitely going to be there for Dwayne Allen going forward. So I think he, I think he made a pretty decent deal here. Um, would would you consider moving your first-round pick if you have the best record in the league? This is a question that's going to be uh, in our Q&A as well. What, what are your thoughts there, Nick? Oh, I absolutely would, uh, you know, provided that even with the best record that you're still a high-scoring team and not just getting lucky with matchups. You know, if you're middle-of-the-road scoring, that's probably a big red flag going into the postseason. But as long as you're up among the league leaders in scoring and you're, uh, like you said, the, the best record in the league, then I would go ahead and do it. And even if I was, you know, second, third, fourth, but leading the league in scoring, that's another situation where I would have no problem trading away that first-round pick to try to take home a championship this year. Uh, very good point. Looking at uh, your scoring there and seeing how you were doing that, uh, I'll I'll let you guys read my answer to that on Sunday. Uh, but uh, yeah, very good point about looking at that. You know, even if you have the best record in the league, if, you, if you're not top in points, you maybe need to cons- reconsider. But uh, yeah, uh, what? So right now I'm in a situation, Nick, where I'm seven and two. I'm excuse me, I'm six and three, and there's three other seven and two teams. So obviously I'm. I'm a contender. Would you would you still consider moving that? I mean, I mean, right now that pick would be you know 1.09. It's probably not going to get far worse than that. It's not like I'm going to be dipping down to the top five picks. So would you still consider that? Probably again, depending on uh, how you match up scoring wise. I'm in a league right now where I'm five and four, and I'm leading the league in scoring by over 100 points. <laughs> I just had the, the worst matchups possible this season. So, you know, even that league, I would uh, I would consider moving my first round pick if I could uh, get a, get a really good upgrade to help help my team out this year. Mm-hmm. And that actually, that's a good point too with the scoring. Like I said earlier, because me and Nick are actually in a league where. Um, we actually don't have week we don't have weekly matchups. Everybody against everybody every week, and it's just based on scoring. So the top the top scoring team is the number one team in our league, um, and I think that's an interesting play on that. If you if you want to try a, try a league like that sometimes, because the team that scores the most is going to be the team that's rewarded. And I currently am placing that league right now. So one point zero one here I come. Uh, there goes my dynasty reputation. Uh, time for some mid-season awards. I feel like I should have had a clip for this, but I don't. Um, offensive and defensive MVP, Nick. What do you got for me? 
Well, I'll start off with my offensive MVP. You know, with my love of David Johnson, you might expect that to be my choice. But, you know, everybody expected him to have a huge year. But DeMarco Murray has been nearly as good. Uh, 13 points is his season low this year. He's already over 1,000 yards from scrimmage and nine touchdowns. You know, we, we everybody thought this was going to be a running back by committee situation with Derrick Henry in Tennessee. But, uh, yeah, DeMarco Murray has exceeded all expectations, so he's my offensive MVP. Okay. Um Good point there. And I know we've heard this uh, same song and dance before, but Matt Ryan has at least has at least 240 yards in every passing game. Coming off, Plus, he's coming off a 344-yard game without his starting tight end, one of his starting – part of his starting backfield. Uh, he's just having, having a monster year. Obviously, Julio is a big part of that. But uh, with, with him coming and having big performances as he's missing starters within his offense – you know this, and and they've already kind of had their fizzle, but he's still putting up elite numbers. He's you know close to the top scoring player in a lot of leagues. So I got to give my offensive MVP to uh, Matt Ryan. What do you got for defensive, Nick? Uh, I got to go with Zach Brown, the linebacker for Buffalo. He's been an IDP beast too. In most leagues, wasn't even rostered at the beginning of the season. I got him in our 16-team league on waivers early on. Uh, but he is the number one linebacker in scoring. He's had four games with 11 or more tackles, uh, three sacks on the year, which for an inside linebacker, that's pretty decent. Uh, Buffalo, you got to say Buffalo is definitely getting their money's worth. Yeah, they only gave him a one-year, $1.25 million contract. So hopefully they can uh, extend him at some point to, in the offseason to keep him around because he's definitely producing there for him. Uh, I will get some more to Zach Brown in a second, but I was actually the one that dropped him. So <laughs> um, my defensive MVP has to be Landon Collins, and if this is the first time you've ever listened to the podcast, you will know that I am basically his birth father. I absolutely love this guy. I've been in his court ever, ever, forever, and and I truly, truly do uh, love and believe in him. I think he's just such a, a an efficient tackler. The big knock on him coming out was always pass coverage, but that really hasn't been the issue there. Is he just just a cruncher for the, for this team? Uh, worst game of the year: six solo tackles in week one. Ever since that, the star has been pointing up. Uh, coming off, he's got three INTs and two sacks in the last three games. Uh, pick six in there as well. Uh, the fact that he's getting sacks, too, he just knows how much he's, he's around the line and just making plays. Pretty sure he's the number one defensive player in most IDP formats. Uh, yeah, people, he still had naysayers going into this league, and he's just pr- going into the season, excuse me, and he's proven people – uh, wrong. Gotta gotta love Landon Collins. Um, rookie of the year. We talked about this in the Q and A last week, Nick. Rookie of the year. Besides Zeke, <laughs> obviously Zeke's probably got it locked up. Don't you think? Yeah, Zeke definitely has it locked up. But in the preseason, I pegged Dak Prescott to be the rookie of the year, and I really have no reason to change that right now. He's actually only one fantasy point behind Zeke. Uh, he's had double-digit points every single week, uh, over 50 points ahead of the number two rookie quarterback, Wentz, who for all his hype has been under 15 points five times this year. So, yeah, other than Zeke, I have to go with Dak Prescott. Um, yeah, yeah, good point. Um, I tweeted this out on Sunday because I was just doing the math and adding the Sunday games to it. I could not believe it. But Michael Thomas actually has 
as many receptions as Laquan Treadwell, Corey Coleman, Josh Jackson, and Sterling Shepard combined. Those are the guys that universally went in front of him in rookie drafts this year. Um, yeah, he's just turning into that that beast there. A couple touchdowns last week. Uh, just he's got. I know he's probably not going to win the award. Uh, but he's got to be in the conversation. He's he's doing a lot better, I think, than people thought earlier. Especially, at least at least I thought. I did I did not see him having forty or seven receptions at the halfway point of the season already. So I got to give it to Michael Thomas, uh, IDP Rookie of the Year. Nick, what do you think? Well, if you look at the top twenty rookie scorers this year, eleven of them are IDP. But there's only one defense that's been there. San Francisco's defense into Forrest Buckner. He's had double digit points four times. You expect if you draft a high profile safety like Keanu Neal or Joseph that they're going to produce early. Uh, same with rookie cornerbacks that get picked on a little bit. But it's pretty rare that a defensive end can come in and be an immediate contributor to IDP teams. And uh, DeForest Buckner fits that bill. So I'm going to give it to him. Okay, good point there. Um... I got to go with Jatavius Brown. He's currently, he's kind of the uh, new Energizer Bunny. Only only Dak and Zeke have more points than him. Points than him in right now, and that's that's going with our DFW 36 scoring. Uh, and he hasn't even met a full time starter. He he missed plus he missed last week, and he's still the top scoring rookie defensive player right now. Um, probably gonna miss another week, but man, he. He's just really su- surprised me, and I think he's ahead of where I thought he would be at this point in time. Just he's had a couple monster games, and he's he's it's kind of a blessing in disguise that Mante Tile Tail excuse me went down for them. So I got to go, Jatavius uh, Brown. Biggest surprise, Nick? What do you think? Uh, Melvin Gordon, he's had two games over 30 points. His worst game this year, he's had nine points, 11 touchdowns already, He's had, and three 100-yard rushing days. Uh, you know, going into last year's draft, I said I would take Gordon over Gurley because of the injury concerns that Gurley had. You know, of course, after last season, I looked like a complete moron, but now I guess I was right, <laughs> even if it was for all the wrong reasons. Uh, I don't know, but Melvin Gordon is <laughs> definitely the fantasy surprise for me. Yeah, took the words out of my mouth after scoring, not scoring a touchdown last year. 11 touchdowns at this point already. I mean, wow. Uh, who is one player that you see doomed for the second half? Uh, I have to go with last year's MVP, Cam Newton. Uh, this is just simply a lost season for him, partially due to the refs not calling the illegal hits. I mean, those at some point, the NFL has to make those kind of things reviewable, both by offense and defense. I mean, some of the flags that they throw uh, are bad calls, just as uh, bad as some of the no calls where they don't throw the flag, where he is getting hammered. But, you know, it's in his head, and it shows on the field. So, you know, from here on out, I'm actually going to be sitting him for Marcus Mariota in one league. Okay. Um, <laughs> maybe this is because I dropped him, but i got to go Zach Brown. He's the top-scoring ID player. IDP player right now. I mean, seriously, who, what? I know he's a young linebacker, uh, but I, I just don't think he can keep it up. Um, and maybe I'm just mad because I drafted him in the startup, given taking a chance on him, and he didn't, he didn't uh, develop for me. And I, that's just, it's a testament to my patience, is what it is. <laughs> I dropped him, and uh, Nick is reaping the rewards. So I, I just don't think he can. I don't think he can keep it up though. He's not going to end the year as the top IDP score, right? 
Um, probably you're not, gonna not. I mean, if you're if you're if you're asking me to take Zach Brown against the field, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take him <laughs> against the field. But he does have as good a chance as anybody, seeing as he is at the top of the heap right now. And if he does, you will accept it as an owner of Zach Brown, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we have we have Mr. Chuck patiently waiting on the phone, all the way from Las Vegas, Chuck Tyson. Hello from Las Vegas. What's up, Chuck? Hey, what's up, you guys? Great to uh, talk to you post-election. <laughs> uh, fair warning, we're, we're no election talk today. We've decided... <laughs> I can't give my opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've decided if you're listening to this podcast, it is your escape from all the election talk. And yeah. we are not professionals. Well, that sounds pretty good to me. Except, I, I guess we could... <laughs> We could categorize that, you know, uh, let's say uh, if the Cleveland Browns should ha- would have happened to beat the New England Patriots, that would be a, uh, a, a similar upset, would it not? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll accept that. Okay, good. Well, um, nobody really had anything to brag about last week except, Josh, you were the, uh, you were the winner amongst the three of us. You ended up 7-5-1. and one. We did push that one game. Uh, where'd that go? Yeah, Carolina and Los Angeles, the Rams and uh, the Panthers. The Rams got a late score to make that uh, three points and make that a push. So, so we pushed that one. Uh, Nick and I were both six six and one. So we were at five hundred, not too bad. But in Las Vegas, if you're at five hundred, you're you're behind the eight ball. You're you're losing. So, uh, Josh, you have the bragging rights for this week. All right, and I wrote my lines again too. So we'll see. You did what? I wrote I wrote my lines again. I would wrote my line predictions. Uh-huh. Again. Okay, what you thought it was? Well, you know that's uh, that's not a bad thing to do because uh, <clears throat> a lot of lines for one week are based on what a team did the, the week before, and it's not because the uh, it's not because the books want to be. They realize that the general public looks at a team in one week and says, "Man, they were pretty good," and uh, so they they bet accordingly the next week. And, and many times, as you guys know, it doesn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. Hey, before we go to these, could I ask you guys a question? Where would you uh, where would you rank Le'Veon Bell in the pantheon of running backs this year? Top top five, top ten? Uh, I would say probably towards the latter half of the top ten. We just haven't seen that wow, you know, big game from him. What do you think, Nick? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, maybe not latter part of the top ten, but I don't think he's top five. He's maybe a top seven type of uh, player. But, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he's not somebody you can bench. The upside is just too great if he were to break out. Yeah. Well, with everything he scored this year, did you realize, and this? I, and I know this only because Le'Veon Bell is on my fantasy roster, but he has not scored a touchdown this year yet. <laughs> wow. I did not realize that. Isn't that weird? And, and he's still a good running back. Yeah, he catches he catches the ball, which which helps definitely. Which uh, you know, if he starts, we'll just hope he starts scoring this week, right? Well, everybody, me and everybody else who owns him. All right, <laughs> you guys ready? Mm. Yes. 
Hello? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that we're ready. Okay. Listen, Cleveland and Baltimore are playing on Thursday night, which you know, I don't – as far as Thursday night games go, I have a little bit of interest in this. Uh, Cleveland Browns in Baltimore, uh, and Baltimore is favored by 10 points. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel like this is just like the the uh, whatever whatever is bad metaphor you want to say, the straw that broke the cam- camel's back, just – that's too many points for a division game, and I I don't know how much love we got to keep giving Cleveland until they get that win, but uh, too many points. I just don't. Has Baltimore beat anybody by ten points this year? I doubt that. I don't I'll think take, so. I'll take. I will take the Browns plus the ten. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, you you said everything I was going to say. It's just too many points for a team that you know Baltimore. They're uh, they're a five hundred team, so. Can you really trust a 500 team to beat by double digits somebody in their division? I, I just can't do it. So I don't think the Browns are going to win by any means, but I, I think they can keep to like a touchdown type of game. Yeah, I agree with you guys on all your points. I don't think Baltimore scores enough to be favored by 10, especially in a division game, and also especially in a game where, uh, you know, we, we we have to bring this up each time, but Cleveland still holds a grudge. Baltimore is the old Cleveland Browns. That the, that's the team that's that stole their Browns. So we got to go all the way back to that. So uh, you get a little extra effort for Cleveland in these games, and I'm going to look for them to keep it close also. I don't think Baltimore's – you know, another thing is Baltimore's only weakness is, their, is uh, defense against the pass, and that's about all Cleveland has. They don't, they don't really have a running game, so – um, I'll look for the uh, the Browns to score just enough to keep this close. Yeah, Baltimore, the most they have scored all year is 27 in the loss to Oakland. And the, the biggest win they had was coincidentally last week, their seven-point win over, over Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks too good, doesn't it? Yes. All right, ready to move on. And it's our first sweep on the first game. How about that? What? Boom. All right, we'll move along to the Sunday. I call them Sunday morning out here. Let's just call them the early Sunday games because you guys are uh, going to be at noon or uh, you're in Central, right, Josh? Yep. Yeah, well, for Nick and I, these are the Sunday early Sunday morning games. All right, <laughs> uh, the Houston Texans are at Jacksonville, and Houston is uh, is one-and-a-half-point favorite over the Jaguars. Uh, well, I just I don't have any any faith in Jacksonville at all. I I know they think they found something with Chris Ivory, but he's like never had two good games to, in a row. So uh, I'll I'll take a I'll take a Houston plus and lay those just the one and a half points. No problem, Nick. What do you think? Yeah, I'm shocked that the spread is only one and a half points. I have to take Houston, especially considering with uh, Blake Bortles, you only have to defend him in the second half because he'll do absolutely nothing before halftime. So, yeah, with the the solid defense the Texans have, I'll, I'll go with them all the way. Yeah, we had uh, everybody had such a poor opinion of Jacksonville the week before they played Kansas City last week, and and you guys, we all got in on that uh, on that late score to give Jacksonville uh, the the point spread win last week, but. I still, I, I just, I, I, I just can't see Houston on, on an off week. You know, coming off a bye, they had a bye last week, right, Houston? Yeah. Um, yeah, coming off a bye and losing to Jacksonville, even though it's on the road. Uh, let, let's go ahead and take the Texans in this one. 
clean sweep again. Mm-hmm. Kansas City Chiefs are in Carolina, and the Panthers are favored by three. Wow. Um, I think Kansas City's going to be a little recharged. They're getting Alex Smith and Spencer Wareback, it sounds like. So I'm, I'll go Kansas City. You said Carolina uh, favored by three, right? Yeah, Carolina's favored okay. by three. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Nick. Uh, I, I would guess it's pretty rare that a three and five team is ever a favorite over a six and two team, but that I guess is the case in this one. So I'm going to go with the six and two team to, in Kansas City definitely to win this one. Yeah, you brought up a good point there, Nick, and I'm going to add to it. Uh, Kansas City six and two, Carolina three and five, and I don't know that they did anything against the Rams last week that would make me change my opinion of them. Um, uh, they they looked you know pedestrian at best against them, but um, AFC West uh, is playing the NFC South this year, and so far the AFC West has six wins and three losses against the NFC South. Um, I just think Kansas City plays in a uh, in a better division, and they've been playing better competition, and, you know, with the competition in the AFC West, Kansas City has just got to win every week. Um I don't know what's wrong with the Panthers this year, but I'm going to go ahead and take Kansas City plus the, the three points, and and we have three three sweeps to start out our uh, <laughs> our week this week. Going to give a lot. Give, we're giving people a lot of winners this week, right? Yeah, nothing but. All winners. right, <laughs> move on to the uh, team. I can't figure out the Denver Broncos are uh, are uh, two point underdogs to the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. Before the season, what do you think that would have been? Denver by six, by seven, somewhere around there? Uh, New Orleans gets some home love, so maybe Denver minus three and a half. Um, and what was it? What did you have? Two points. New Orleans favored by oh. two. Wow, I thought New Orleans actually might be a dog. Or, excuse yeah, a dog in this one. So, um I'll will t- take Denver. I think they get I think they get it right. I think New Orleans, like I said, probably found something earlier with their running game. Um, but I think the Denver defense, if they get healthy, and they probably got their butts chewed after giving up over 200 yards to Oakland. So I I think Denver can win this game. If you're going to give me points with them, Nick, what do you think? Well, I hate to be the first to break the clean sweep trend that we had, but I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go with the Saints, especially playing at home. And I know they haven't been as dominant at home this year, uh, only 2-2, two and two, and they're also 2-2 two and two on the road. But I just you – know, I think they can – this will be a low-scoring game. It's not going to be one of those classic Saints 35-30 to 30 shootouts. But, but I do think they can at least win by a field goal. I don't think he... – the Denver defense is as good as everybody, you know, they they had such that reputation, you know, how long can you live on your reputation? Um, didn't like the way they looked against Oakland last week. And if you think Oakland has a home field advantage, which, you know, they, they haven't proven that this year, but they had a, uh, but against Denver, they seem to. Um, how's Denver going to do against the New Orleans home field advantage? Uh, I think, that New Orleans is going to score, and Denver, I don't think, has the passing game to hang in there and keep up. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and side with Nick on this one, and I'm going to take New Orleans minus two. Okay. 
L.A. Rams are in New York to play the Jets. Is this your Who Cares game, Josh? Oh, my gosh. Hell, yes. I saw that two weeks ago, and it's like, who cares about this game? <laughs> Rams are in New York to take on the Jets, and the Jets are favored by one and a half points. Oh, that line's even worse. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jets at home. Whatever. <laughs> Nick, what do you think? Uh, well, I think I'm pretty sure before the season started, uh, they said Jeff Fisher needed 10 losses this year to become the all-time losingest coach in NFL history right now, and I think that trend continues. I think they fall to 3-6, and six and the Jets win at home. Wow. Okay, I'm just looking at one thing here. Um, the First of all, well, a couple of things. First of all, the Rams always seem to surprise me. Um, is, is, is Ryan... Fitzpatrick going to play? I understand he sprained his MCL. You know, it's weird when a quarterback is doubtful. Usually, they hold off a line on a game, but uh, this one has had a this one has had a line all, all along there. So I guess it doesn't make much difference between Geno and and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, I did find one thing, and it might be an angle here. It might not be, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and bank on it. Uh, the Jets are in kind of a sandwich game. They played the Dolphins last week, and they play the Patriots next game. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, say they're not going to be at their best, whatever their best is. And I'm going to I'm going to go with Mr. 500, Jeff Fisher, to start working his way back there. So uh, I'll take the Rams in this one. Uh, yeah, Gino, Gino is actually on IR. He tore his ACL. Oh, um, that's but, right. Uh, Who would, yeah. Fitz, Sorry about that. It says So that's Fitz, even Fitzpatrick. worse. You know, it's Ryan yeah. Fitzpatrick or whoever the backup is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right, um, they're saying he's considered day-to-day, but that's, and if he plays on Sunday, it's going to consider, they're going to consider how much time he gets in practice. He'll miss the game if he misses a significant amount of practice this week, so. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Well, let's move off of that game. We've already spent too much time on it as it I, is. I, I guess, almost right? cared about it. Yeah, I almost <laughs> cared about it. The Atlanta Falcons are in Philadelphia to play the Eagles, and this game is a pick 'em. Pick the winner. Seems easy, right? Hey, that's what I picked. Um, Atlanta Falcons are in Philadelphia. Yes. I'll take I'll take Philly for the upset. Why not? I, I maybe I just want to believe in them and they keep letting me down, but I'll I'll take Philly here. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I think it feels like a trap. Philly's been kind of down for the last few weeks, whereas Atlanta's still riding high at six and three. Uh, but even though it feels like a trap, I'm still going to go with the Falcons to continue their hot streak. I I just I don't believe in the Eagles right now. Although this should be a great game. I, I don't know uh, why people keep believing in the Eagles. Uh, you know, after having that good streak to start out, they've lost four of their last five games. And their only win was against Minnesota, who is not proving to be as good as everybody thought they were, too. Um, Atlanta is uh, – I'm just going to take I, – I, I just – you know, this is more a vote for Philly's not as good as everybody thinks they are. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, take the Falcons in this game. Minnesota Vikings, speaking of them, they are in Washington, and the Redskins are favored by three in D.C. Oh, uh, wow. Nick, well, your team, what do you got for us? 
Well, the Redskins are coming off a of bye week, playing a team in Minnesota that's dropped three in a row, I believe. So, I mean, if they can't win this one, their season's pretty much shot after uh, after that tied game debacle in London two weeks ago before <laughs> the bye. So, I'll go ahead and go with Washington. But if I was in Vegas, I definitely wouldn't be uh, would not be putting money on it. Um. I'll take I'll take Washington this one too, just because I haven't seen anything from Minnesota to convince me they can go on the on the road against what is a pretty solid defense and do anything. So I'll take I'll take the Redskins here. Chuck, what do you got? Well, I'm going to side with you guys, uh, but it goes against all my principles because the Vikings looked so bad last week that you know that's probably why the line is up there at minus three for Washington. However, Minnesota hasn't looked good in a while. Um, until they find some kind of offense, and, and here I say this with Stefan, Stefan Diggs on my fantasy team, but um, until I see something to, to show me the Vikings' offense is, has uh, some sort of potency, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, go with the Redskins, and we've got a clean sweep there. Okay. All right, we have the uh, the Packers, who are an enigma in themselves, uh, going to Tennessee. And at last check, the Packers were favored by two and a half points, and that that still is the spread, two and a half. Packers favored at Tennessee. I don't think they should be favorites. So I'll, I'll I'll take Tennessee. I don't I just I don't see the Packers going in there and winning this game. I just don't. I don't know who's who or what's going to make enough plays for them for them to happen. They're they're still beat up kind of all around. Um, I'll take Tennessee. Nick, what do you got? Uh, I'm also going to go with the Titans. You know, I know uh, Tennessee caught a lot of uh, got a lot of heat early on in the season. Uh, people saying their offense was like something right out of the 1990s, but you know that offense has really turned it up lately. Uh, Scoring 35 points last week against the Chargers. Marcus Mariota over 300 yards last week. Uh, really been playing uh, good football both on the field and on the fantasy stat sheet. So I, I'm going to go with the t- uh, Titans in this one. In picking this game, I've got to do a little comparison. Uh, the, oh, first of all, I think Tennessee's a lot better than everybody thinks, and Green Bay is not as good as everybody thinks. Um, but you go back to the first week of the season, Green Bay went to now, – now, who's, Tennessee is definitely a better team than Jacksonville, right? Yes. In the first game of the season, when Green Bay was at full strength, they had everybody, they had a hard time beating Jacksonville in Jacksonville. Now they go on the road to Tennessee against a team that, uh, that is better than people think. I mean, you know, take away those two, uh, those two touchdowns that Mariota gave to the Chargers last week in Tennessee – May have uh, may have won that game last week against the Chargers. So um, I'm kind of a believer in the in the Titans. I think their stock is going up, and uh, uh, I'm going to take Tennessee and make it a sweep again. Okay. Okay, you guys. Next game is uh, my Bears at Tampa Bay against the Buccaneers. Uh, this game, up until just a few seconds ago, I just checked it. Uh, the Bears were favored by one and a half. The line has now gone down to a pick'em game. Pick the wiener. Well, it's your Bears. What do you got for us? <laughs> I've been fooled by Cutler before. He'll look good, and I'll think, oh, the Bears are on a roll, and then all of a sudden, you know, he starts throwing interceptions. 
But I got to look at this statistic, and uh, Tampa Bay is winless at home uh, this year. They have not won a game, so I'm going to go with that trend. And now that it's down to pick them, I'm uh, even reinforced. Uh, the Bears will win this game. Okay. Uh, yeah, we've all been cut by Cutler before. Uh, yeah, I, I got I got to go. Um, I got to go with the Bears too. I just I think they have more going for them right now than than Tampa does. So, what do you think, Nick? Uh, I'm going to go the other way, and I know it is tempting as good as uh, Cutler did have the Bears playing in their last action uh, a couple weeks ago, but I I just, even though they're coming off the bye, I'm still going to go with Tampa Bay to get their first home win. Buccaneers. I did live in the Tampa Bay area for a while, so I'm I'm kind of a Buck fan, but, you know, with the Bears, all bets are off. So, uh, Nick, you wouldn't make that a clean sweep. No, okay. No. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't, we'll couldn't do it. You're taking Tampa Bay. All right. Now, for me, the afternoon games. Uh, for Josh, uh, for you, it's the late afternoon games. And, Nick, for you, the, the late morning games start. Uh, Miami Dolphins in San Diego to take on the Chargers. And the Chargers, let me make sure and check this, is the same thing. Uh, Chargers favored by four. Wow. Um Man, I want to give the Dolphins some love in this game, but I want to say it was maybe last year or two years ago the Chargers went to went to Miami, and they were good, and Miami was not, and Miami just beat the hell out of them. Um, I don't know what that has to do with picking this game, but it just, it's kind of the, that thing with the Chargers. You're not sure what you're going what you're going to get, and I think Miami's kind of turning into that team right now. But I guess I'll just defer to the home team, even though I, I don't love the four points. I'll take I'll take San Diego. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I also have to go with San Diego. I, you know, the top scoring team in the AFC. I just don't think that uh, Miami, even with Jay Ajayi running the ball the way he is, uh, the limitations in the passing game with Ryan Tannehill. I just don't think they can. Uh, I just don't think they can keep up points wise. So I I got to go with San Diego to cover the spread. I'm going to go with the Dolphins here. I think they have a little mojo, and, and uh, you know, most of San Diego's games are close right down to the end. So I'm going to hope it's a three-point game either way. And uh, Miami seems to have found their uh, their rushing game. Everybody says, no, they can't keep it up, and they, they have done it for, I believe, three games now. They've done a good job uh, with their running backs. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, take the Dolphins here and take a little bit of a uh, little bit of a risk. All right. Next next game is in the NFC West, the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, who's the worst team, the 49ers or the Browns? The Browns. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I think if they played the Browns, would beat them. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, Arizona's favored by 13.5 points at home against the, uh, the 49ers. Uh, well, the old adage is that's a lot of points for a division game, but uh, San Francisco's weakness is their run defense right now. And um, I can't. Who's the Arizona running back? I can't remember his name. Uh, I think <laughs> I think he'll be all right. Yeah, I'll, I'll take I'll take Arizona. I don't uh, I don't I'm not gonna throw money on it, but I'll 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 take Arizona and lay, lay all those points. Yeah, Nick, it has all. Uh, 
as all David Johnson owners know, Arizona was on a bye week last week. It has hampered me in a number of leagues. But, yeah, I look for them to get back on track now. Um, yeah, I don't know. The passing game seems like J.J. Nelson's the number two wide receiver now over John Brown and uh, and uh, Floyd. But uh, I think they can they can win this by two touchdowns. San Francisco is just not a very good team right now. And it would be surprising, I think, if Chip Kelly keeps his job after the season. Yeah, if Arizona was flying high and all high and mighty and, uh, and sure the full of themselves, I would say the uh, that the 49ers would have a chance to keep this one close. But but they're kind of in dire straits there. They need to win the game, and Bruce Arians is going to have every bit of concentration on this game. Now, the only thing is, I mean, you guys bring up David Johnston, uh, Johnson, and, uh, you know, you can't. I mean, look what New Orleans running backs did uh, against San Francisco last week, and uh, Arizona has David Johnson. And uh, I'm, I, my only fear is they're going to they're going to run it too much and keep the score down and not score enough to cover the spread. But still, I I, I can't bring myself to to pick the 49ers, even though it's a divisional game. So if uh, if one of us is fooled, we're all going to be fooled here, guys, because I'm going to take Arizona also. You're not supposed to take Arizona there, right? Chuck, isn't the smart money supposed to say you take that many points in an NFL game? <laughs> yeah, well, smart, but like I say, uh, if Arizona was kind of uh, full of themselves and, and relaxing, but the the Bruce Arians is not going to let them react, uh, relax, so I'm looking at this as a good situation for a, for a blowout. They aren't going to their, take their foot off the pedal. All right, uh, the Dallas Cowboys are in Pittsburgh to take on my Steelers. We'll hope that Le'Veon gets a touchdown in this game. Uh, the Steelers are actually – this is a weird one. The Steelers are favored by two and a half points. Wow. Um, I, I got – if you're going to give me points with Dallas, I know it's on the road, but I, I'll, I got to take them. I just don't uh, – I, I don't think Dallas – can be stopped right now. I just don't. I don't think the Pittsburgh defense has that, and I think the Dallas defense actually matches up okay against Pittsburgh right now. I mean, the the situation right now is that you have to cover Antonio Brown. The situation is right now is you have to you have to be aggressive and keep keep on Big Ben. So I think I think if they can keep him moving around and uncomfortable, that's going to help them immensely. So I'll take Dallas with those points. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm really surprised that uh, Pittsburgh's a favorite in this game as well as Dallas has played this year. And as bad as uh, Pittsburgh looked last week with uh, Ben Roethlisberger playing through the injury, but definitely not anywhere near 100%. So I'm going to have to go with Dallas. I'll probably be picking against Pittsburgh until Ben Roethlisberger looks like himself again. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, you know, it's – Hardly ever a, a bad thing to take a seven and one team getting points, especially against a a team that's four and four and really hasn't impressed anybody yet. Has Dallas? Has Pittsburgh had an impressive win this year? I haven't. I never. Uh, I didn't get a chance to look that up, but uh, I don't see um, much in Pittsburgh that makes me want to take them. And uh, and another thing that Pittsburgh's uh, their defense. Uh, their Achilles heel on defense is against running backs. So, um, you know, Zeke Elliott may, may have a field day here, and uh, Dallas will control it on the ground, and uh, Pittsburgh's going to have to throw to win this, and uh, I, don't know if they, I don't know if they can. We'll go ahead and take the Cowboys. I'll take a 7-1 and one team plus the points right there. 
Pittsburgh did beat uh, Kansas City 43-14. to Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, October 2nd, but that uh, that was many moons ago. And, uh, I mean, well, you considering know what? Kansas they... City's a 6-2 and two team, but that, that's, a pr- that's the only really impressive one they had. Yeah, and here's the weird thing. Then they got they got stomped by the Eagles. So, yep. it, you know, <laughs> I, I think a, a lot of it, there's a lot of uneasiness about the Steelers that you don't really know which team's going to show up. And uh, Dallas has been pretty consistent. So if you're going to go with a consistent team, you uh, you go ahead and take the Cowboys there. Okay. All right, Sunday Night Football. This is a good one. Seattle is in New England. Man, I mean, you know, New England by three points, three and a half. No, New England's favored by seven and a half points in this game. Yeah, I brought this up earlier because when I was writing my lines for next week, the only one that the CBS Sports line had was on theirs for next week prior to the start of Sunday's games was this one, and it was eight points. I just don't get it why that was that high already. Um, (laughs) It it boggles my mind. Well, it's kind of the reverse. I mean, you know, New England or Seattle gets too much love at home, and now New England's that way. I think New England's obviously a little bit more deserving. You said seven and a half? Yeah. Oh, I hate that hook, but I I can't bet against New England right now. I'll, I'll I'll take it. I'll take New England and lay those points. Nick, what do you think? Um, I'm going to go with New England. I don't love it. Uh, seven and a half, like you said, that's a lot of points, especially with the hook there. But Seattle's just not as good on the road as they are at home. They've only won one game on the road this year. So, and New England's not exactly an easy place to play. So i got to go with the Patriots. Whoa. Well, you know what? I just couldn't. And I'm believe me, I'm, I hope New England routes them because I'm a Tom Brady owner and a Julian Edelman owner, and I have the Patriots defense. Um, but I have got to look at Seattle keeping it close here. Maybe making a mistake, but I'm going to uh, I'm going to take the Seahawks plus seven and a half. It just looks too good. Um, and uh, Russell Wilson looking a little better and a little healthier. So. Um, Gosh, I hope you guys are right. I'm just going to take Seattle here. All right, on Monday Night Football, the Cincinnati Bengals playing uh, at New York against the Giants, and the Giants are favored by two and a half. Let me make sure the uh, that line is still the same here as they've been changing on me this this morning. Yeah, it's still two and a half. And it's weird, this is all over board. Uh, there are some places that have them at two, some places at three, uh, but we've got three and a half at the Westgate Las Vegas, and that's the line we're using. Three and a half? Two and a half. Did I say three and two a half? half? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's two um, and a half. Sorry. Wow. I, I'll, t- I'll just, again, just defer to the home team here. I don't – I haven't – every time I've had faith in Cincinnati this year, they've kind of let me down. So I'll, I'll take I'll take that and just, just two and a half points, why not? I'll take that. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with the Bengals. I just think Eli, you know, you, you know he's going to have a couple touchdowns, probably at least one to Odell Beckham, but he's going to throw a couple interceptions too. That's just what Eli does, and I think the Bengals can uh, capitalize on the turnovers and win this game. You took the Bengals, Nick? I took the Bengals, yes. 
I am taking the Bengals as well. I'm not convinced on the Giants. They have a three-game win streak, but that with that win streak against the Ravens, the Rams, and the Eagles, who uh, who aren't as good as we thought. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm going to take Cincinnati. Uh, don't know why, just because I'm not convinced on the Giants. So, uh, so we'll take the Bengals in this one. Okay. Um, Jesus, you and Nick agree on every game. Uh, <laughs> Probably. I, feel like I was the I was the one making the odd choices here. Um, well, you did have the same record last week, so looks like clean sleeps. We got Cleveland, Houston, Kansas City, Washington, Arizona, and Dallas. Is that right? Kansas City, Cleveland, Houston, Kansas City, Washington, Tennessee, Arizona, Dallas. A lot of them this week. Look at all yeah. the money we're going to win. I'm just going to take all yeah. of our, all the games we agree on and do a teaser out of those games. We'll see what happens. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll call it my fantasy podcast teaser. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that's a, if you do a 16 parlay, 20, turn, 20 bucks turns into 800. So. Oh no, I'm not going to do a, a teaser. That that, that pays <laughs> oh. like five to one or something like that. But I, oh. I'm not going to go crazy there. But uh, yeah, parlay would pay nicely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that is all we have for you today, Chuck. As always, thanks for being our man in Vegas. Thanks, you guys. Great talking to you as always, and uh, we'll look forward to doing it again next week. Have a good week. Okay, Nick, any any closing thoughts there? Uh, I think we pretty much hit everything. Uh, let's just look forward to week 10 and the distraction it provides to everything else, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, enough said. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you next week, folks. Thanks for listening. <laughs>